eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. We gonna do what they say can't be done. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Well, that being said, welcome. I'm East Band. Just watch old band. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. Welcome back to this. <laughs> you want to start with that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's good. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the City of Hope Church podcast. This is another episode of our small group series. Uh, today, we're going to be continuing in our book, Kingdom Vision. Uh, I believe this is week nine, and we're going to be covering um, social renewal. Today, we're going to be covering roughly pages 163 through 186. Uh, and so, yeah, let's just dive right in, Mr. Bishop. How you doing today, buddy? You doing, doing good? Doing good. Doing good. Good to be here with everyone. Good. All right, so the first line uh, opens up, and I, I really like what he says. It says, most of us would agree that the world is not as it ought to be. And I don't know about you, Clay, but I think that, uh, I think regardless of what your political stance is or your religious stance or, or anything, if you ask just about anybody in the world, they would probably come to the same conclusion of something's off, yeah. something's not right. And especially the past few years, it seems even more intensified. But there just seems to be in the world just a lot of hate, a lot of division, a lot of brokenness, uh, fear, um, anxiety, depression, um, stereotypes, uh, you know, hate, violence, all those things. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we open this chapter. And we can all agree that, that, yeah, things are definitely broken. No doubt about it. You know, he, he starts kind of talking about this in an, in an interesting way, um, by saying that, you know, social scientists have shown that we all live with an implicit bias or the tendency to favor one type of person or group uh, over another. And so we, we look down on certain people and we elevate certain people in our lives. And, and, and that's why we, we tend toward one particular political party because we have implicit bias and we, we judge certain people based on certain things. And so there, there is injustice and there is discrimination and there is division and even stereotypes, hatred, and violence, and even sometimes, to be honest with you, there's division among how we actually uh, define those terms. I think a lot of times in politics, both people think they're the loving group. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They both think, well, we're the ones that are loving. Well, we're the ones that are doing the right thing. Well, we're the ones that stand for justice. Well, we're the ones that stand for righteousness. It's just they define those terms differently. Differently, yeah. and and that's that's a big problem. But but that's that is. That is because of what has happened in our world through sin. There is no other really solid explanation. I don't know how you explain these things that we deal with from anything other than a biblical worldview. I've tried to imp impose other worldviews on what we see in our world. And for yeah. me, now obviously I have the Holy Spirit and I believe in God, but for me, I, I once dabbled in atheism. I once dabbled in New Age religion, and nothing seemed seemed to work. Mm -hmm. But when I saw the biblical worldview and what Jesus had to say about it and the evil that's in the world and why it's here and what's actually taking place spiritually, that's the only thing that made sense for me as far as 
the world that we're in. But at the same time, when Jesus shows up, and we say this all the time, he came with another kingdom. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah. It's, it's within reach. So essentially I've come, God in the flesh as a representative on behalf of God's kingdom so that the kingdom can break in in this broken world that was not designed to be this way. Now let me show you what it was designed to be like. Yeah. So he heals sickness. He raises the dead and defeats death and says that he is the resurrection and the life pointing to the age to come to a regenerated world where the earth is restored. Um, he, he forgives sin. He heals sinners and, 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 and reaches out to them and then offers them an opportunity for a new life. And, and when, so when you start to look at that, there's a reason why we get so, uh, we get so caught up. I do too in politics sometimes like we, don't don't we all like, oh, I mean, yeah. me and you i think i remember several years back we were sitting waiting on the election results to come in dude we were fired up yeah you know because we we believe this we is had like a dinner party yeah was, like, we, believe, we believe this is gonna be and i i really wrestle with that like how because i always feel honestly to get i, I like to vote for people that i think are gonna hold the most godly values because i what do i want to see i want to see social renewal yeah i want to see that our nation go in a direction of human flourishing yeah. and righteousness. I, I want to see those things in our society. I'm, I'm leaning more and more every day toward the fact that I don't believe that simply politics and trying to get people in political office is going to be what actually makes it happen. Yeah. I think what we're dealing with is something far more spiritual. I think that when you look at it at the end of the day, behind a lot of our political leaders in the world today are principalities and powers that are working behind the scenes, yeah. ruling them, leading them. And they've, they've yielded their lives to demonic powers because they have failed to submit to God. Yeah. And, uh, and so you see that at work. And so we're dealing with something far more deeply spiritual. But my point being, the reason we, we tend to get so fired up about politics is because we have an innate desire for yeah. social renewal. Yeah, and I think for people, when you when you talk about politics and people in power, it feels like a very practical thing yes. of if we could just get this person in, maybe then things would, would go change. in a good direction. Yes, and to some degree they do. Like you know, but but I think God God wants that too. God wants God wants a nation to. Um, you know, he wants a nation to serve him. He wants not just individuals, but a, a, a collective group of people to worship yeah. him. And he wants a nation to serve God. Uh, he wants everybody to. Yeah. And so if you have a collective group of people that gather together under the banner of a nation or whatever, and they and they say, man, we want to worship God, and we want people in leadership that are going to make good godly decisions, yeah. that is a positive thing. And that's what you <laughs> see all throughout like the Old Testament is yes. that every time the Israelites had a good king— yeah. And who followed the Lord, things were good. Things they were blessed. Yeah. When, and then when they turned away from God, things that's when um, things become bad. And our nation, I think, is continually, obviously, rejecting uh, Christian values and Christianity yeah. as a whole. And, and even bringing in certain things where, where it's almost like they pit... Uh, the word of God against against what they believe to be loving or righteous, so so that now the language is well, that's hate speech. So, right. so so almost to be a Christian is to be hateful. Now, are some people who are under the name of Christ hateful? Uh, yeah, some people are yeah. under the name of Christ, but ultimately, you know, we still do have to stand for that truth because truth is what brings freedom. And so, when we serve demonic, deceptive powers, 
no matter how free or loving it may seem, it enslaves us. Yeah. And and so the, anyway, I didn't necessarily want to go into that, but I think you have to because in the end, what we're talking about is Christ, the Prince of Peace, mm-hmm. who's going to come back and restore, and all the nations will essentially uh, bow down to him and confess him as Lord, and he will rule and he will reign righteously as a perfect king yeah. with, with, with perfect justice and perfect peace and and without sin and without war and violence. People beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. going to be this this transformation where violence is vanquished, division is is vanquished. But um, he gets he gets into this more. Um, you know, he talks about in Revelation seven nine that it says that from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne of God um, and before Jesus, we're all united in worship. Can yeah. you imagine that? Man? Yeah. We're not under these, uh, you know, these faulty leaders, government leaders and presidents who are following the demonic powers. We're all gathered around one king in worship uh, of the one true God who's, who's leading us into that perfect peace. Yeah, and I don't think we should take that lightly, just what you said. I mean, that's that's the hope that we look forward to. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we, you know, we in the here and now, it's it's easy to say, well, the the next election, the next election, the next election. Well, if we put our eyes on the end, and we see we have a, a kingdom of God worldview, then this is this is what we have to look forward to. There will be a time where everything is made right. He's a perfect king, and we were we'll all be unified, yeah. like you said, in worship. Yeah, and I think so. Here's my thing on that, and again, these these things that we're talking about now were totally unplanned, um, but. So I guess on a practical level, yes, I think that we should vote for the people that we believe in our heart through prayer are going to be the best best people to put in office. But I also believe that that system is so corrupt that as a church, your best bet isn't necessarily going to be door to going door to door trying to get people to elect somebody. Yeah, your best bet is going to be to be in prayer and fasting and worship. Yeah. seeking God in such a way that you are filled with his presence and his glory and he can use his body to reach the world for Christ alone. Yeah. And then they're going to make good decisions, but the more the more the more people that you have turning to Jesus as a whole, God ends up th- then then what you have is people who are dominating the powers of darkness in an area. But but ultimately the leaders we have, I think, are a result of what we want as a whole. Yeah. We have the leaders in position that we have in position because of the condition of our hearts and what we want as a collective whole. Yeah. And and so when a church says, Well, we gotta battle this, we gotta get involved in politics, no, what you should do probably first is repent, make sure your heart is right with God, worship and serve God, be filled with the Holy Spirit and try to lead people into the kingdom of God. Yeah. Rather than trying to change government itself. The more people you lead into the kingdom of God, the government will by nature begin to shift yeah. around the kingdom of God. Now, I don't think that we'll ever be able to, it's not going to happen in fullness until Christ returns. Right. I think you're going to see corrupt governments and corrupt leaders and, and it just heading toward a climax 
in some sense of that. But at the same time, we as the church are called to believe for social renewal. And that social renewal has happened throughout history. The gospel has legitimately changed nations. America was birthed out of religious freedom, people wanting not to be under religious bondage. But they came with Christian principles and established a nation, one nation under God, right? Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Now, they had people say, well, those guys were deists or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But still, yeah, a lot of them were Christian men who believed in godly principles, and they established a nation under that. And we we have moved away from that yeah so and i think it goes back to the fact that like even you know thinking about appointing a a leader it's the same thing like even in church we we look to the people in power we look to the pastor we look to the political leaders to do all the work to do all the change and and i think what he's getting to here in this book is our realization that if we want to see social renewal it's not going to be about a couple of people or a group of people in power that are doing something to inspire change, but it's it's about the body of Christ. Yeah, Th- that's who leads the social renewal. Yes, like you said, and that's you know he intends to bring about social renewal through the church. Yeah, not through a government official here well, or or whatever else. It's it's the it's about the body of Christ. You know, and we've said this before, but it's it's it starts in your own heart, it starts in your family, it starts around the dinner table in your in your home, and then it spreads out to the people you know around you, yeah. and then from there it it extends out rather well, than just being like one person that's you well, know, caused a bunch of change. And the point that I'm making is abundantly clear through the Gospels because Jesus Himself was the King. He could have showed up and done. He could have taken over the Roman Empire and had everybody bow before Him as Caesar and Lord. Yeah. And He would have said, just like Caesar was saying, "I'm the Son of God. I'm worthy of worship." Yeah. I mean, that's what He could have said. Yeah. But instead of taking governmental control, He hangs out with about twelve guys, ministers love to the outcast. And demonstrates a totally different kingdom because, and he's saying this kingdom is like, it's like leaven. Once you start to do this on an individual level, it spreads into Mm -hmm. the world and it affects economies, it affects governments, it affects officials and leaders, and it changes. And it's leaven that just begins, it, it begins to spread within the lump of society. But it's not, we don't take over by force because that is the demonic way that it's been done since sin entered the world. And Jesus is saying, no, we flip that on its head and we, the kingdom is a different way. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't rule by coercion and force and political domination and power. We rule through humble service and self-sacrificial love. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and the fact that we're willing to lay down our lives. Yeah. And it really may not overthrow all the darkness in this particular world at this particular time. But Jesus will come again for a bride who is currently doing those things. Yeah, and yeah. Th- and so and so we're we're a foretaste of that kingdom that's been flipped on its head. And I do believe that here in southeastern Kentucky we can see radical social renewal. I d- I believe in a nation we can see radical social renewal. Yeah, and it's just a matter of the church seeking God. That's our first and primary calling is to worship God. And as we do. That kingdom flows through us and brings transformation to society around us. I believe, I can't remember the video, but um, there's several things. You know, even in Clay County, they they people call here all the time, send me emails all the time about like the drug march that happened in 2004. And there's certain people that know stuff about that. I don't know much about it, but I do know that a bunch of pastors and leaders got together. People prayed. There was a march, and there was a sense of unity for a short 
period of time there that really did bring about measures of transformation to some degree. Yeah. And and like they even talked about how the water itself changed around here, like things in the land changed, like like you like hunting, like at that particular time there were there were more there's more wildlife. It it was a strange thing. Yeah. Uh, and not everybody necessarily believes that or buys into it. But I remember a video, and I can't remember exactly where it was. I feel like it was a, a place down in South America, a tribal place there. But it was there was nothing there, uh, just a bunch of paganism and voodoo and, and strange things. And, and one guy went down there and preached the gospel. A guy got saved. None of them knew, knew Jesus. I mean, they had no economy, no nothing. It was just mud. They couldn't grow anything. It was like a curse was over the land. Mm -hmm. Well, they started to pray and fast together, just a handful of people. And slowly but surely, after several years of prayer and fasting, people started to get saved. And then it just broke out, and essentially the whole place got saved. And one of the most evil men in that town, finally it broke. He came in. He, he gave his life to Jesus. And they're all just worshiping Jesus passionately. And and legitimately, they started to see the the soil change in yeah. the in the land. Yeah, and 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 they were growing like it showed the crops that they were growing. Their exports increased like five thousand percent. It was unreal. Yeah, the economy started growing again, and things started changing because these people repented of their demonic worship and started worshiping Jesus, and it literally physically changed the land. Yeah, uh, so. So there, and then there's there's other instances of that. Um, yeah, I think about the word shalom when I hear that because you, it's <clears throat> it's not just peace, but it's 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 wholeness. It's it's like when I think about it, it's it's not just you know peace, everything's all good, but it is. It's Human like flourishing. my it's it's yeah flourishing. It's it's your body, it's your mind, it's your soul, it's it, everything around you. Like you said, even the land, um, and that's. In terms of God's intent for humanity, mm -hmm. you know, that's what he wants to create a unified yet diverse humanity that together reflects his glory and acts as his representative authority on earth, leading every creature in worship and in shalom, peace, wholeness, and well-being. And this was God's perfect plan for humanity and for the whole world. Yeah, he created mankind. In his own image, Genesis 1, 26 and 28. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And here's you know, one of the things in our world today, you see this, this attack so strongly on male and female. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because there were false gods that they used to worship, and part of, part of that worship was to actually switch genders within, within, their, within their worship of these false gods. Mm -hmm. And it was a demon god. Uh, but you see that starting to manifest in our culture. And when you, when you see a blatant attack on God's creational design, what you're going to see is, is the destruction of society. Yeah, and it, and it's going to happen more and more, uh, because we are designed in God's image to represent uh, Him here on earth. And I've always said this, but so we are created in the image of God to image forth God in the earth. Mm. The earth is created to image forth heaven, but it but it depends on whether or not we are in communion with God who created the heavens and the earth. And as long as we image forth the heavenly one correctly and steward the earth correctly through that then the earth will in 
will, will image forth heaven itself yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. But when we break relationship with God and we're no longer imaging forth God as his representatives, but sin and corruption and we worship false gods and the demonic comes into our life. Well, what does the earth begin to image forth? Yeah. Hell itself. Mm. And what we see is we are in the middle ground of, of, of heaven and hell. And the one that we worship will, will basically, it'll reveal what yeah. we worship will be revealed here on earth because it'll either look like heaven or look like hell. Yeah, what we feed is kind yes. of what will grow, so to speak. Yes, and what we what we choose to worship is the one who is released into our into our reality. Yeah, and so that's why you know he talks about he gives the Hebrew words for this. The Hebrew word uh, for for likeness is salem, and that's like a carved statue or an idol. Uh, but basically, it just means that you would go in the authority. You are deputized as like an authority for God himself. You are his statue, his image, his symbol, his likeness, so that you represent him. You represent the king when you go into this world to basically issue his mandates and say, this is what happens here on this earth. And then you steward that. We're to to imitate him. Yeah, I like what it says. We should be so closely imitating the father that it's, as if the Father Himself is present. Yes, that's that's wild. This morning, yeah. I, I was talking to a guy, and I just I just went up, went, to, went up to him and asked him if he was a believer, and and but that thought crossed my mind because we were in this book, and as I'm talking to him, I'm thinking to myself right now in this moment, God, I'm imaging forth yeah. the love of God the Father, and it it so it even just gave me more love and compassion for him as I'm speaking to him about Jesus and about God for him. Because he said, man, I believe there's a God, but I just don't know about that stuff. And, and so I just went into it, shared the gospel with yeah. And I'm just talking about the love of God and just the nature of life itself and what God came to do for him and the gospel and salvation all this. And you could tell he, w- he was touched by it and he was open to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sitting there thinking in that moment, w- what I'm doing, like I'm I'm imaging forth yeah. God in this moment. So that, so that in this moment, the Father himself is present. Yeah. He's right there through me. Yeah. It's ministering to him. Yeah. And that's I, good stuff. That's powerful. Yes. And and so and it's not it's got, got anything to do with me. I mean, my goal in life is to be a vessel yeah. to yield so that the Father can image forth himself through me. Yeah. Yeah, that, that I'm I'm just a son of God, I'm a child. That's what Jesus was, a perfect reflection of the Father. The yeah. image of the invisible God, yeah. imaging forth the heavenly one perfectly. And then he makes us sons of God so we can do exactly what he did, imaging forth God the Father to a broken world so that they can be healed. Yeah. And what awesome responsibility for us. Crazy. I mean, and and that's the thing too, if we just sit back, you know, kind of lazily not accepting that responsibility, coming to church on Sunday mornings and just kind of going through the motions. I mean, look at the gap that we're leaving, and 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 that's right. A gap's I mean, a good word. Vacancy. Yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 every day we have the opportunity to do that, and if we're not pursuing it, yeah, if we're not growing in our relationship, then our our. our our reflection of him is not going to be, near, you know, not what it yeah. should be. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I- any time that I'm, if there's a season where I'm not as closely walking with the Father as I should, I'm much more quickly to respond the wrong way, get angry quickly, all those things. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very important thing that we, we realize that he wants to use us to bring about social renewal. To the world around us, yeah. and that, and when people experience that, it's just something different. 
you know, when I when I've encountered, you know, before I was a Christian or before I really committed to the Lord, there was just something different about people who were reflecting the the image and the likeness of God. I was like, man, there's just something different about those people. Yeah. There's something different about the way he's treating me, the way he's responding to me or, or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And then and I've seen that in a reverse in my own life where people has been like, you know, even college professors like Man, what's there's something different? What's wrong with you guys? Yeah. Why are y'all so happy all the time? Yeah, you know, and and so we we portray that, and it's powerful. People see that, and that's mm-hmm. that. You know, you can argue up and down all day long. You can do all that, but what people experience and see in you, I think, speaks much more volume than than anything we could argue. Or yeah. you know, of course, there's time for. You know, like you said, you know, in there with the guy this morning, yes, you laid it out for him. You, you shared the gospel with him. You shared all that. But also the love and the kindness and the grace and the mercy is shown as well. And yeah. it's, uh, man, it, it, that's a beautiful picture. Well, and one of the things that we discussed was like just his family because he's not, you know, he's not talked to his kids in a while and stuff like that. And, and so, but what I immediately when he started talking to me about it, what I envisioned was the renewal of his family, yeah, the restoration, mm-hmm. the reconciliation, like all this stuff, because he's got several kids, 16 yeah. and under. And I just saw, you know, I imagine God do it because I know that's God's heart. Yeah. Social renewal, it begins on a family level. Families healed, made whole, spreads throughout the earth. Yeah. Through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Yeah. It's a family thing. So then he uses the Hebrew word radah, uh, which is basically to rule and reign over his creation, to steward the earth mm-hmm. in such a way, like we said, that everything flourishes. We t- Just like God, we take chaos, darkness, void, and we make it new. And, you know, I didn't think about it in this way because this building over here at the church has been sort of like a, it's been like a burden to me to some degree, <laughs> and you know, yeah. you know, because it was, it, was, it was broken down, man. It yeah. just really was. But, but the Lord put something in our hearts and it has been renewed. And to me, it's like once we finally got done, I look back at it and it's like, okay, as bad as this has been, it's almost like a prophetic witness to what God does in places. Yeah, He takes things that are broken down, destroyed, chaotic, and he brings order to it. Yeah. And that's and that's how we're called to steward the earth itself and to rule and reign and, and to bring order to it. And so it says, then he blesses them, which is the word Barak, uh, he creates good things and he blesses them. And in the same way, humanity is meant to steward the earth, creating beautiful things from it, and then to bless these creations so that they can thrive and they can worship and they can fill the earth and they can multiply so that all over the earth you have diverse humans representing different aspects of God's nature and beauty, subduing the earth, ordering creation, and just seeing the manifest glory of God until all of the glory of God fills the earth as the water covers the sea. Like, it's a a beautiful thing if we can get there. But Satan is doing one thing, running rampant, seeking whom he may devour, and his one goal is to mar the image of God in you and I so that this earth reflects hell and his kingdom is exalted in it. So Yeah, and that's where things went wrong. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, going all the way back to the garden, essentially Adam and Eve chose to play God. Yeah. And th- th- of all this this section, I think this these couple pages is what stood out to me most. Mm-hmm. Because it's interesting because you see here that, you know, in in their choice and our choice to be our own God, 
immediately what you see in the story of Adam and Eve is rather than becoming God and, you know, you know, taking on the role and whatever else, you see immediately shame comes in, fear comes in, insecurity comes in, vulnerability, weakness, they're scared. Yeah. And and all of a sudden, immediately, it becomes me versus you, us versus them, and you start to see this brokenness. And those are the very roots that lead to just what we talked about in the opening line. Things are not how they should be. The reason we see hate, the reason we see violence, the reason we see division and brokenness ultimately comes back to, I think, this point is the fact that we are so selfish, we're so self-centered, it's all about me. We choose to be our own gods rather than humble ourselves to his authority and his design. And in doing so, we welcome shame, fear, and security, all of it. Mm-hmm. And it just from there, it's just it's just a, it leads to brokenness, and that's what you see all throughout, you know, scripture. There, um, you know, after after the serpent deceived them, yeah, and that they bought into that. You can be your own gods. You yeah. can play God for yourself, and God's holding out on you. I mean, who wants to just be a steward for that dude? He's 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 holding out on you. He wants something, you know. There, there's there's something better, but then that enters in that lie breaks in that somehow we can live separately from God and be God. And we're no longer stewards imaging forth God, but we become our own and we become a vacuum mm. for this this wide open hole for the demonic powers to play with. And uh, and so then, you know, it says, it talks about Adam and Eve are now at odds with each other. Cain kills Abel. Lamech takes two wives. He was the father of perversion because from him, you can read in other ancient history and things like that and you find that that that's where a lot of uh, a lot of um, perversions begin to enter into the world, and then it says, and he was telling jokes. He said, "Look, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, he said I'll be avenged seventy-sevenfold. Basically, if a man strikes me on the face, I'll kill him over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was intensifying the violence in the world, and so it just it got worse and worse until all of the thoughts of men were only evil continually." And and that was the case that it was in Noah's time. But, you know, he, he, he talks about this, and then he, he ends up getting to the point, just to fast forward in Genesis, you see all this going on, and uh, it says that, that they end up getting to a place where instead of doing what God called them to do by multiplying and filling the earth and spreading out to become a beautifully diverse group of 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 tribes and ethnicities as God intended. They club together, they try to build a huge tower to become like God. Yeah. And they want to be, again, playing God, be their own self sufficient rulers. So in his kindness he confuses their language and causes them to spread back out again to to try to slow that desire for godlike power, uh, and and try to increase their desire to fill and steward the earth like he like he imagined because he didn't design there to be like kings and rulers over people dominating and warring and fighting. Yeah, he he designed us to love and to steward the earth and flourish and and self sacrificially care for one another, but we we just don't do it. And so again, the world's broken down, but he all he always had a plan, and and that's the thing that he's going to get at is is the plan of salvation was always there yeah. in, in the beginning. And the same point, he said, look, there's going to be somebody come. He prophesied to the serpent, you will crush it. You will bruise his heel. He'll crush your head. Yeah. And then he tells Abraham, there's going to be somebody come through your line through, through which all the families of the earth will be blessed. The Messiah, the anointed one, is going to come. 
and and break all this down so one of the things that we talk about now um you know i i think which you you see you see it throughout history i mean we've had injustices and we've had slaves and we've had uh even now i mean people people fight to to what degree it is a reality but there's obviously been racism and division and all of these things and there still are um in different ways um but then there's also different philosophies on how to address those things mm-hmm. that are sometimes demonic in and of themselves. Um, but you see that there was these walls that started to come up, and it were the, it was these philosophies about how we believed about life. But he talks about uh, 380 years before the birth of Jesus, Plato uh, in Greece basically advocates that people are born into their ranks or classes at the pleasure of the gods. I remember when I went to India, so Hindus practice a strong uh, class system. Mm-hmm. So like you are born into, and you and you can't move out of that. So if, if you're born into a certain class where you're just, you go out, literally I remember one time, man, we go out into this village, the kids are running around naked, they live in little rice huts, okay? I mean like, and just barely have anything. Little mud huts, eating rice like just it beats all. And and then you're you're seeing that you're ministering to these people. We drove. I'm gonna say 15, 20 minutes. I don't. Maybe longer. Maybe yeah. 30. I'm talking about a black top parking lot, like Fayette Mall. Mm. We went in. We went into this mall, and they got Abercrombie and Fitch in there. Really? I kid you not. And I'm thinking how, and I even talked to the guy about it. I talk, and he and he started talking to me about the class system, and he said those people will never come out of that. They'll never. There's no hope for them to because they can't. Yeah. It, because they believe that that the gods have. They still have that that That's same just belief. Your lot in life. That is your lot in life. And maybe you know if you live well enough, you can be reincarnated and come back in a different class. Mm. I mean, it's just it's just wild. So, yeah. so when, so you know, to some degree, the Greeks believed that, so that they would say, you know, the gods created you in a certain way with a varying degree of value and importance to serve in that class in society. It's the same concept. So that spread uh, throughout the world. And he talks about how he would pray, "I'm grateful uh, to fortune for three things: first, that I was born a human being, not a beast; secondly, that I was born a man, not a woman; thirdly, that I was born a Greek, not a barbarian." Yeah, and then it spread into Jewish thinking, uh, because Rabbi Meir would think tell people to thank God who who did not make me a Gentile, who did not make me a woman, who did not make me an ignoramus. Well, thank God for that. Well, if you woke up every morning, that was your prayer. That was your prayer. Lord God, I thank you. You didn't make me a Gentile. Yeah. You didn't make me uh, a woman, and and you didn't make me an ignoramus. Because, you see them just conforming to the world. Because those are yeah. those divisions. So when you read certain scriptures, like it says, you know, he like we're going to read here in a minute, it ends up saying, um, let me find it here. I know it's in Ephesians and Galatians, two particular points. Uh, but it's uh, it's over on page 177. I'm skipping forward a little bit from where we're at. But the point is, it says that he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups 
won and, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in the flesh the law with its commands and regulations. And his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And in Galatians, it basically says uh, something very similar, that in Christ Jesus there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so he's breaking down every wall of hostility to say male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, you're all created in the image and likeness of God on an equal playing field. And that's why when, even when John the Baptist was preaching, when Jesus showed up, what did he say? He said, the mountains shall be laid low mm-hmm. and the valleys shall be exalted. Yeah. So Jesus comes in, reaches out to the broken, to the outcasts, to the lepers who were cast out of the, the congregation in the synagogue. And he spends a lot of time here talking about how, you know, they could, the Jewish people, certain groups couldn't enter into the presence of God. Well, by the time it came around to Jesus's day, Herod, who's a nut, takes over the temple. Well, he even creates deeper stratification. There's like a women's court where they can't go in further. There's a Jewish court. Uh, then the Gentiles can't even come into the women's court. Like there's, there's just all yeah. these stratifications. And so it makes more sense when Jesus comes in and Paul says this about tearing down dividing walls because he says, hey, there's now no more division. And Jesus is sending us out into all the world to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the Greeks, the Jews, the barbarians, the slaves, everybody. Yeah. Because God loves everybody and every human being, regardless of race, gender, color, ethnicity, all are made in the image and likeness of God, and they need to know their value, and they need to know their worth, and there's no wall keeping yeah. them back from being restored into the image of God because they've been bought with an amazing price, yeah. the blood of Jesus. And that was one of the very reasons that Jesus' ministry on earth caused such an uproar. Yeah. Is it because it did that very thing? Yeah, he's talking to Roman centurions yeah. and healing healing their sick. There's there's Samaritan women that he's ministering the gospel to, and they're half-breeds. They're outcasts from the temple. They can't even worship in Jerusalem. Yeah. And he's and he's going out of his way to talk to these people. Yeah. And that freaked, that freaked them out. Yeah. And even after people like Peter hang out with him, they still struggle with it. Yeah. And they're still wrestling with it because there was such a divide in society. I don't know, you know— sometimes I feel like it's hard for us to maybe put a finger on those same divides, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. in, the, in the ways that they did because they did see it differently. But a part of that we should be thankful for. Like the fact that pe- forerunners have come to deal with the issues of our divisions so that it, we should thank God for the people that have come before us to try to uproot any kind of racism and the th- things things like slavery or division or even looking looking at other nations and eth- ethnicities as being less than or inferior to yeah. like those type anybody who's done any work to get us to the point where we could maybe say I don't I don't believe I don't think we have it like that and I don't I don't think that generally speaking we're living on those same levels I think we're much more accepting people when people yeah. come into our church we do our very best not to judge based on any of those things but the fact the fact the matter is we're also a bunch of white lower middle class people too with very little diversity yeah and i mean i still i've i've got a black little girl and i still see hints of racism in our world today yeah so there there's there there are these things that we still 
see divisions in these things over where God still needs to do a work in our heart. But the fact that Jesus has come and flipped everything on his head, that's just like when James is talking about, hey, people are coming into your church. Don't show favoritism to the rich. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, go out of your way to honor the poor because yeah. because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And and they, 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 they have something. They need to know that there is value because in a world that doesn't value the poor and the broken and the drug addict as much, we need to go out of our way to show them the value that Jesus Christ showed them by dying for them on the cross. Mm -hmm. He reached out to the broken, to the outcast, to the sinner, to the drug addicted, to the widow, and he he flipped everything on his head. Yeah. We've been, uh, we finished up The Chosen uh, season three this past week, and it's one of the interesting, I'm a a visual person, I always have been, love movies and videos and all that stuff, and so to read it is, is obviously one thing, and it's, so you read scriptures and stories, but then getting to kind of see how they portrayed that and see just how much of an uproar yeah. uh, that it caused when, when Jesus was going out to these different people and, and how the disciples themselves really wrestled with that, that you know, go, you know they themselves in the show are dealing with their own things, and here Jesus is going out to reach the Gentiles, and mm-hmm. it's just it's flipping everything on its head. Yeah. And, it's, and, and that's what we, the book's going to continue to talk about, you know, in terms of, yeah, um, destroying these dividing walls. We Jesus did this through his life, through his death, and through his spirit. And and what you've just been saying, Clay, is is what we see through his life. He came and he kind of tore down those walls of of race and the classes that you talked about. You know, slave versus free, and then also genders, and then even generations from young and old. Yeah, and I mean that, and that's a that's a huge aspect of social renewal because now you place the original value that God placed on human beings when he knelt down in the garden and he blessed them and he said this is good and he created them in his image and his likeness no matter what background no matter who you are all of them are created to image forth God and as Christian Mm -hmm. people we should see the most broken and the most outcast or the more rejected the ones that we should reach out to the most because because God wants to demonstrate um, His love and renewal in their lives. Yeah. And and as Christians, we should get hungry to see broken things be restored. Yes. And and so and sometimes it's the rich and the well wealthy and the well off that don't recognize their need for redemption as much. Yeah. And that's why He says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." They have a they have a closer connection oftentimes to the reality of I'm in need. Yeah. I'm needy. And when you when you have that sense, it's like okay, you can let Jesus into your life, and He can bring restoration and healing and raise you up from this, and and restore, you know, your life and and bring you back into the image which He originally designed you to be in. So we do we reach out to all people with the gospel of Christ, but yes. but we're seeking social renewal, and it begins with individual human beings who need to know their value and their worth in mm-hmm. Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. All righty, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Um, Hope you're enjoying small groups. If you guys uh, have any questions whatsoever, comments, be sure to reach out to us. Contact us and let us know. But other than that, we appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you on the next one.